Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for once again another show um, with myself, Justin Jackson, and my man John, back for another episode of Shooting It Straight. Before we get into it, I want to give a, a, a quick shout out to Johnny T-shirt for any apparel needs that you might need for UNC. That's the spot to go to. And then also Congruity HR, where any Tar Heel needs an HR assessment, that's the spot to go. So shout out to them for the um, sponsoring these videos. But John, man, another dub in the win column. Another ACC win. North Carolina wins 86-70 to 70 against Louisville. Um, I think we should preface it with Louisville's not the most talented team. Um, but Carolina did what they were supposed to do against a team that they're more talented than. So I think there's a few things that kind of stood out as you kind of watched the Louisville game. Um, for one, I think that the biggest thing, I think this was the most aggressive that we saw Mondo play in a while. I think he came out from the gates. Um, you know, I don't know if it's the shoes, you know, I kind of rock with the off color shoes and, you know, maybe it's for a purpose, but um, he really looked good uh, offensively and, and defensively, but offensively, he just looked like he had a little bit more of a, a pep in his step. Um, anytime he got on the block, he was looking to be aggressive, looking to score right away. They were looking to him early, uh, which I think was a little bit different than games here recently, I think we've seen a lot of RJ, um, a lot of kind of perimeter scoring, um, but Mondo hasn't necessarily been a focal point. I think this game against Louisville, you really saw him be a, a main guy and a main threat, uh, which is a good, a great thing to see because it just opens things up more for everybody on the outside. Um, so hopefully he can continue doing that. Um, and And it was against, you know, some other – you know, pretty decent bigs as well. You know, I know that the the one big that they had, I remember watching them last year, I think, at Tennessee. Um, so it was against, you know, some guys that were pretty decent. So it was good to see him be aggressive, good to see him, you know, kind of get back into that, you know, that groove, if you want to call it that. Um, and it was good just to see a bunch of different guys make some plays. Obviously, RJ, you know, he did what he does. <laughs> Feels like every single game at this point. 
Um, but then you saw some other guys play well, man. You saw obviously, you know, a guy that we've talked about quite a bit, and that's Cormac Ryan. You saw him hit some shots. You saw him be, you know, pretty consistent. You know, five for ten from the field, four for seven from three, which is the biggest thing that we've been talking about is if he can get, you know, his consistency back from the three-point line, it just helps his team even more. Um, so it's good to see him, you know, kind of get back into that flow. Um, and then we'll hit on it later in the show. But Jalen Withers, man, was this his breakout? Was this his breakout time? Um, I sure hope so. Uh, but I think it's – you know, it was good to see him with that 15 and 10 double-double. And like I said, we'll talk about him quite a bit as the show goes on. But uh, as you were watching the game, what did you see kind of stand out for you, brother? Yeah, well, first, I just want to put UNC's performance in context a little bit because UNC is 8-0 and at the Smith Center so far this season, which I think is a tremendous accomplishment. They're starting out 6-0. and in ACC play. That's a huge deal. Uh, and UNC has won five consecutive ACC games by double digits for the first time since 2007-2008 season. So that's pretty impressive. It shows how well this team stacks up, especially compared to all the good UNC teams uh, that they've had over the years. I think for me, the story of the game is, is Armando as well. Um, you talked about his offensive performance already. Uh, looking at the box score, Armando finished 7-11 from the field. And those four that he missed, too, they felt like some easy misses. So he <laughs> easily could have had uh, 25 maybe if he missed a few of those those short ones. Um, and then I'd say as well on the defensive end, I've been really impressed with Armando. Um, I Over the last few uh, weeks, he's really elevated his level of play on the defensive end. Uh, we've talked a lot about UNC's defense as a whole, uh, some of the things they've done, switching ball screens and, you know, the perimeter defense really locking in. Um, but I think Armando is, is a big piece of that as well. Um, I know this isn't 100% on Armando, but I was looking at UNC opponents shooting percentages at the rim. Um, and this season, UNC opponents are shooting 56.5%. That's from CBB Analytics. Uh, that's in the 88th percentile nationally. Um, so I think that shows that UNC's core defense protecting uh, against easy baskets at the rim um, is really strong. And that's thanks in part to to guys like Armando. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about Mondo, I think what I've, what has been so good to me from the way that he's played, I think defensively, like you talk about, has been kind of the main thing it seems like he's focused on the last you know few games that he's played. Um, and I think when, when you focus in on the defensive end and then you just keep things simple on the offensive end, I think when we watched um, even last night, everything he did was it was one or two dribbles and he was at the rim, you know, or you know, everything that he's really done over the past probably three or four games has been very simple and very easy. And I think that's kind of the the player that Mondo is when it comes to um, offensively dominating a team. You know, when, when you look at it, 11 shots isn't necessarily a lot of shots for one of your main guys. But if every time he's getting it in a scoring position and able to make one quick move and score, then it makes it so much easier for your offense. Um, and so I think that's what's been so good watching him 
is for one, he's playing on both sides of the ball and you can tell there's like an elevated amount of effort that he's giving um, on the defensive end. But then offensively, he's just letting things come to him. You know, I think RJ has kind of taken the reins as like the number one offensive option on the team. And so now it's just a matter of him playing off of that and being aggressive whenever he gets to his spots. And I think that's what he's done. So obviously huge um, shout out to Mondo and everything that he's doing for this team. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can continue to do it, doing that. And, and, and it seems too like the team is gelling really well at the right time. You know, guys are really starting to figure out, you know, where certain guys want the ball, when they want it, you know, maybe certain plays that they run to get certain guys shots and things like that. And, you know, I think, you know, six games into conference play is a perfect time to kind of get this thing, you know, kind of gelling in the right direction. So, you know, I think that's a good sign as well. I think that's something we talk about, you know, early on in the season, we talked about how it would take a little bit of time for this team that was basically brand new to each other to get used to playing with each other, get used to being around each other in the locker room, get used to, you know, if you're in a transition three on two, who wants the lob, who wants the bounce pass, like little things like that. It's like, it takes a little bit of time to kind of learn guys. And I think they're starting to see kind of, you know, who people are and, and what each person does really well for this team. And obviously that, you know, that kind of takes, you know, takes some time, but I think they're starting to do it. And I think that's, a big reason why you see them number four. I mean, I, I think, I guess you probably go two years ago when I guess last year they were ranked number one as well early on. Um, but I think this is the most uh, solidified top five um, ranking that I've seen North Carolina in a while. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the points that, you know, I wanted to bring up was kind of the difference of playing in that, you know, we'll say top five, top 10 range, as opposed to kind of being a, an outsider or underdog, if you want to call it. Um, and I think the way North Carolina handled, you know, this first game being number, number four, I think was exactly how you're supposed to, um, you know, it comes with a certain responsibility. It comes with a certain, uh, we'll say pressure. If you want to look at it like that, um, just knowing that every game for one, Every game that North Carolina goes into, every team is trying to take them out. doesn't matter if they're unranked. doesn't matter if they're number one, four, 24. Every team is trying to give them their best shot. So now you add a top five ranking to it. All that does is now it gives – if a team beats them, it gives their resume – it makes their resume look better. Um, come tournament time, come, you know, when the selection committee and things like that are making decisions. So, you know, it definitely comes with that responsibility and that – you know, that pressure that comes with it. But at the same time, they've earned it. I mean, 14 and three, six and zero in conference play. They beat some really good teams. They've really, you know, beat up on some really good teams, uh, you know, game in and game out. Like you said, I mean, they're 8-0 at home, which is one of the biggest things. You've got to take care of home court. Um, and so, you know, I think, once again, they're very deserving and they're very, it's very warranted to be top five and, Hopefully, as they go on, they don't start, you know, looking at it in the wrong way. I think sometimes you can look at, oh, we're top, we're top five, we're good, we've made it, um, as opposed to, okay, let's keep on climbing, let's get to number one, All right? Let's get that number one seed going into the tournament. Let's, you know, let's make sure that we, you know, get a favorable matchup as the tournament start up and things like that. So, you know, I think, 
I like seeing that top five ranking next to them. I think that's where North Carolina basketball is supposed to be anyways. And, you know, it looks very comfortable alongside that logo. And, you know, they looked comfortable last night. Didn't look like it phased them. Obviously they had some, they had a little bit of a lull there in the second half, but you know, I like seeing them top five. Yeah. Another thing you said too before was, you know, the team is kind of finding its groove. And I think part of that too, is everyone on the team is kind of finding their role and understanding where they fit on the court. And I think that is a great chance to bring up Jalen Withers, who had a, a great game last night. He had season highs in scoring with 15 points, season high in rebounds with 10, point, uh, 10 boards. Um, and he had his first double-double as a Tar Heel. But I think he's a guy, too, who kind of now, after this you know, early part of the season, after the first part of ACC play, he understands what his role is and where he fits on the court. And I think more specifically, we're seeing he fits in really well at the dunker spot and kind of hanging out in the corners for the corner three areas because he's a really smart cutter and he understands kind of some chemistry with some of his teammates, maybe especially like an RJ or, or an Elliot. And he kind of knows when to cut at the right times. And then he's a great finisher around, around the, the rim as well. Um, he's athletic enough to, to dunk the ball. He's crafty. He can kind of go up and under uh, reverse baskets. Um, so I've been impressed with Jalen Withers. Um, I think it was his best game of the season against his former team, which is always cool to see as well. Um, what stood out about Jalen Withers to you? Uh, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about with Mondo. Everything he did was really, you know, just simple and in the flow of the game. Um, you know, when you look at Jalen Withers, he has everything that you want physically for a really good basketball player. I mean, he's 6'9", athletic, long. Defensively, he causes some issues. I mean, there was one play where he stole the ball and took it all the way down and laid it in on the other end um, mm -hmm. like he does that all the time. And at 6'9", that's just not that's not necessarily normal to see a guy in college be able to play on one end, take it down on the other end and score. And so, I mean, you know, you look at him and it's like, okay, this guy could be really good for us. And, you know, I think, I think sometimes when you look at it, ability comes with um, opportunity, right? And when I say that, it's the more that a basketball player plays, the more they're able to get into a rhythm, get into a flow, get comfortable out there. And, you know, I think that's kind of what you saw with him. You know, he ended up playing 24 minutes and like you said, 15 and 10 on five of six from the field. I mean, it was, you know, he just looked more comfortable out there. And whether that is the minutes or whether it was he had it out for his old team, maybe that's what it was. He had a little bit more, you know, urgency and anger towards that. Everything he did was just played within the flow. You know, he had one post up where he went in, got it and one. Like you said, he's a great cutter. Had a cut to, you know, it, it seemed like it wasn't that big of a play, but the reverse dunk that he had is there's very few players that can do those kind of plays. And so, you know, you had that, you had defensively what he brings to this team. I mean, anytime he's on the floor, and if he's a small ball five, or even if he's the four, being able to switch on the little guards and, you know, sometimes guard them even better than the smaller guards. Like it, it just causes issues for the other team. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of him getting comfortable again, you know, uh, you know, whether, whether he plays 24 minutes going forward or not, I think it's just a matter of now he knows what he can do when he goes on the floor and he knows, 
hey, these are my spots when I'm on the floor with these guys. These, This is what I can do. This is – I should be a cutter, like you said, whether his spacing is in the dunker or the corner or, um, you know, whatever it is, being able to just play off of those guys and seeing where his spots are. I think this was a great game engaged for him going forward, um, especially in a game, you know, like a guy like Seth Trimble, who we've talked about a lot, who has been super consistent. You know, he was 0 for 3 last night, played 17 minutes. So – a guy like that who's been, you know, pretty consistent and, and, you know, relied upon coming off the bench, being down a little bit, for him to be able to step in and do what he did last night I think was huge. And, you know, for his confidence, for the team's confidence, for Coach Davis's confidence going forward in him. Um, so that's, you know, that's always great to see somebody kind of have, you know, quote-unquote breakout game. You know, I know it's his, what, fourth year in college, so I'm sure he's had, you know, other games that were more – breakout than last night but as far as his time with UNC I think that was a huge game for him and um, you know that kind of takes us kind of into kind of one of the other points as far as you know UNC's defense so far you know it's uh, last night they gave up a little bit more than they've been giving up in 70 points Um, but up until that point I want to say you know last time we talked the last three games they held the opponents under 60 or something like that Mm -hmm. um and I think when you look at this team, you know, obviously I think they're showing that they have enough offense to, to win some games. But defensively, I mean, they've been at a really high level. Um, you know, and I think they've been very consistent throughout the games uh, of, of playing at that same level. I think that was, you know, last couple of years, I think that was one of the issues was the urgency and the effort on the defensive end would be so up and down and teams would make huge runs. And then, you know, they would try to pressure and get back into the games and it'd be too late. And I think you're seeing this team from the jump, they're playing at that high level defensively that they need to. Now you look at that second half and you kind of look at how Louisville started getting back into the game. They almost started kind of, you know, sliding back into that early season defense that we saw early on that we were kind of worried about at first, but once again, they responded and they, they, they came back, you know, ended up winning by 16, which, you know, no matter how good or bad a, a team is in the ACC winning by 15 plus points is, is a great win. And I think a lot of that was from the defensive side of things. So, you know, I think you, you continue to play defense the way you, that they are. You also get guys like Cormac shooting the ball, you know, consistently again, you have RJ doing what he does, Mondo being aggressive down low, Harrison obviously doing literally everything on the floor, it feels like. Um, and then guys like Withers and, and Seth coming off the bench. It's tough not to see this team as one that can make a, a long run and make it to the final four and even to the championship. So I think I'm encouraged by seeing, you know, game in and game out the way that they're playing on the defensive end. And as everything kind of comes together, I think it's just going to get even better. Yeah, absolutely. I did want to point out one thing with UNC's defense, and this is just something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the season. There's the concept of like shot luck, whether or not a team is making their open three-pointers. That can be a little bit uh, you know, lucky as the season goes along. I think, honestly, you saw that last night with Louisville in that run. They just started to hit some tough shots. And then all of a sudden, you know, UNC is kind of looking around like, hey, what's going on here? So just a little stat to kind of file away for everyone in, in the back of our minds. Uh, UNC opponents in conference play 
are shooting 24.1% on threes. That's uh, the best mark in the conference or best as in lowest mark in the, in the conference. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, can UNC uh, sustain this defensive performance? I think absolutely. Um, but also you have to remember, you know, you're going to face some good shooting teams as you go throughout the rest of conference play. Uh, you still got two games against Duke, obviously coming up, things like that. Um, so that's something for UNC uh, to keep an eye on. I think the at-the-rim defense is is certainly trending up, um, but sometimes there's nothing you can do um, if, a, if a team starts to get hot. Um, there was one point I wanted to hit on for the bench as well, um, because I think we've talked about it a little bit already. Uh, Jalen Withers uh, had a really good night last night. UNC had 17 bench points, um, but, but they all basically came from Withers and Paxton Wojcik chipped in two points. But I think that's a strength of this team as well, because I think it shows that UNC has multiple guys who can go off each night. Um, and maybe they didn't have that the last two seasons or so, because um, there just wasn't as many guys to turn to in these key moments. And I think Hubert Davis has done a good job building up depth throughout the season. That's something we've talked about each of the last two seasons, is that they got into conference play and maybe guys weren't built up as much. Um, but now we're at the point where Jalen Withers is in a really good spot. Jalen Washington can come off the bench and provide offense. Seth Tremble has greatly improved. So you've got a, di- a couple of different guys to turn to uh, on the bench. And as the season goes along um, and as you continue to roll into the tougher parts of conference play, I think that's a really good sign for this team. Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, I mean, like we've talked about it, you know, maybe once or twice before, but once conference play the, the starts, the rotation kind of gets cut a little bit anyways. You know, that's just kind of how it works. You know, we would go from nine players to all of a sudden seven, maybe eight guys playing, you know, on a consistent nightly basis. And when you look at this team, obviously kind of, you know, there's really two guys off the bench that are playing, you know, I guess I'll say serious minutes for the team, and that's Seth and Jalen Withers. And I think now when you watch a game like last night, it's a matter of Coach Davis now seeing and being able to build confidence, knowing what players he can really put in there and at certain times. And obviously it helps whenever you have 15 and 10 for that to kind of go your way when it comes to Coach Davis, you know, looking at looking at that aspect. But it also just how do you affect the game when you come into the game? You know, what coming off the bench, you might not have a crazy box score. You know, you might not have a crazy stat line that, you know, seems like it really affected things. But what are you doing to affect the game in those minutes when you get in? Are you disrupting somebody on defense? Are you rebounding the ball out of your area? Are you hitting the offensive glass whenever a shot goes up? Like, what is it that you're doing? And I think that's really where you saw Jalen Withers thrive last night was he was just affecting the game in multiple ways defensively. He was causing issues with his length and athleticism. Offensively, if you have a guy that's able to cut as athletic as him and be smart in those situations and also take advantage of different matchups when those matchups happen, you know, that's a, that's an easy guy to slide into the rotation, you know, as ACC play starts and, or keeps going. And, you know, that's, that's it's an easy player to kind of play alongside these guys who are playing the majority of the minutes. And so, you know, I think – people shouldn't necessarily look at 
the fact that only two guys off the bench played 15 plus minutes, because that's just kind of how it happens as conference play starts. But what are those guys that are coming off the bench doing when they get on the floor? You know, I think that's going to be huge for this team because you can't necessarily have guys playing 35 plus minutes every single game. You just can't. As the season goes on, as ACC tournament starts, where you have to play two, maybe three games in, you know, in a row, that stuff starts to add up. And you have to be able to have guys that can come in and still produce, but also give those guys a little bit of a break and a little bit of a rest. So, you know, I think Coach Davis is doing a good job and that staff is doing a good job of kind of testing out and seeing who can be effective off the off the bench. You know, we've seen Zayden High come in a little bit here recently. Um, obviously, you know, Washington has come in a little bit and, you know, had his times and his spurts. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I think it's just a matter of kind of seeing as the ACC, you know, play goes on, what is it and who is it that will come in and really, you know, affect the game off the bench. And I think you're kind of seeing some games that are showing signs of who that might be and who that needs to be. But it's still, you know, they still have, what, 12 more games in ACC play, um, 11 or 12. And, you know, I think it's still – time to kind of figure that out and for guys to kind of get more comfortable and kind of take over whatever role it might be that they might need to take over. And, you know, I think there's still plenty of time, but obviously they're off to a great start. So um, I think they're heading in the exact direction where we would want them to be heading in. That actually leads me perfectly into a question I wanted to ask you about, which is who is UNC's best Five, And I think this has been a kind of talking point all throughout the season because UNC at the beginning of the year was kind of working through a few different starting lineups. Obviously, Paxson Wojcik started out the year as a starter. Now he's kind of rolled into a reduced role. Um, But if you look at some of the advanced metrics, the starting five that UNC has been rolling with, uh, Baycott, RJ, Harrison, uh, Cormac, and Elliott, that's not necessarily UNC's best when you look at the adjusted team efficiency margin or some of the plus minuses. Um, so you do, do you think UNC's best five includes someone like a Seth Trimble out on the court? Do you think it includes someone like a, a Jalen Withers? Or if you were the coach, would you be closing games uh, with UNC's starting five? I know that's a little bit matchup dependent, but just what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think it definitely is matchup dependent. I think it depends on really who you're playing, um, what kind of team it is. Um, I think also I, I'm not I'm not one of the anti-analytics guys, uh, but I'm also a feel of the game type of guy. Um, I think that comes first, and then I think the numbers should back that up. Um, and so I think when you look at those numbers, it's hard to look at those numbers and then look at the minutes being played by these certain guys, right? Because I think a lot of times we have this idea that, oh, if this guy is putting up these numbers or doing, you know, he has this plus or minus in this amount of time, or he has, you know, these stats in 15 minutes. If we double those minutes, those stats will double as well. And I think sometimes we lose, we really think that that's how this works. And it's just not how it necessarily works. Um so I think when I when I see that, obviously those numbers help to show the type of impact that guys like Seth Trimble, Withers, guys like that coming off the bench do give. I think that's a great, you know, support for that. 
But I think when you look at the right lineup for this team, I think the lineup that they have right now starting is the perfect lineup for a couple of different reasons. For me, if RJ Davis is the number one scoring option on this team, he can't be the number one playmaker as well for the team. You know, um, I think we talk about this, having Elliot out there now, even though he's a freshman, he's trying to figure things out as, as games go on and things like that. Having Elliot out there is basically the number one playmaker and the guy getting everything started offensively and things like that just allows RJ to just be a hooper and a straight bucket getter. That's, that's literally all he has to do out there on the floor. Um, two, it allows Mondo, um, Elliot and Mondo to be able to run some more pick and roll actions where you now have, you know, I would say Elliot is a little bit better of a passer um, than RJ is. So now you have a better passer out of a pick and roll situation, being able to play with your number one big. Um, and two, when you look at when, or three, when you look at Jalen Withers and Seth Trimble, they are for this team, at least they are uh, guys that come off the bench, bring energy, bring a different look for this team. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know how that would translate if you played them for 30 minutes and you started them off rip. You know, I'm sure it would be fine. But when I look at this team, the way that it looks right now, I think is exactly how it should be. You know, I'm sure I'm sure people are going to just look at this 15 and 10 double-double that Jalen Withers has and say, hey, he needs to be in the starting five. But the way that this team is kind of rolling and flowing, especially with these guys coming off the bench and bringing a different look and a little bit more energy and, you know, things like that. I think this is exactly how the team should roll going forward. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. That's just my opinion as far as, you know, being a player and kind of being in different lineups and seeing how guys work together and how guys also translate to playing more minutes as opposed to playing in their role that they're in. So, you know, I'm sure there's some people that would disagree, but that's kind of my, that's my take on the best five. I, I love that answer. I like what you said too about they come off the bench and they bring the energy and the impact. That's hard to sustain if they're playing starter level minutes. So I think that makes a lot of sense. We've talked a lot about Jalen Withers on this show today. Uh, he had the opportunity to play against his old team and he admitted after the game that he was a little nervous uh, about this. Uh, it's always a little bit weird when you teammates. Uh, Justin, you've played a lot of basketball over the years. Obviously, you didn't necessarily transfer um, while at UNC, but in the professional ranks, you might have experienced this a little bit. Um, what's it like to play against former teammates or to go against a team that you've uh, spent a lot of time uh, competing for? Uh, and can you just kind of walk me through the emotions of that as a player? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a different level of... Um energy and preparation that you have going into those games. Um, obviously, you said I didn't experience it in college, so I'm not totally sure how it was as far as going to school with, you know, guys and things like that for three years, and now you're playing against those guys. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit more, I don't want to say emotional, but I'm sure it's a little bit um, tougher because I'm sure you have more of a connection with those guys and, you know, you sat next to them and, you know, math 101 and things like that. Like you failed a test with them. Like you did things that probably you wouldn't do, you know, in the professional ranks. 
Um, but for me, as far as going back and playing, I, I've been able to build some really good relationships throughout the years uh, when it comes to the NBA and the different teams that I've played on. So anytime I've, you know, there, there are definitely a couple, you know, there, there are a couple teams that anytime I would go into a game playing against them again, um, there's a little more fire to it. You know, you definitely, you know, you get up a little bit more for them just because it's almost you want to prove them wrong type situation, even though a lot of times the people watching, they really don't even care. You know, they made a certain decision for a certain reason and they're going to stand on that and not look back. But for me, it was, you know, there's been times where, you know, I see certain guys maybe that were, you know, I was traded for, or, you know, they moved roster spots for and things like that. And when I go into those matchups, it's, it's almost like, a, you know, prove that, you know, you were wrong or, you know, what you're missing out on or that kind of thing. And, you know, it definitely is when, when, when a guy like Withers has that kind of game against an old team and, you know, an old staff and things like that, I don't know what his individual experience was like with, with that team and with that staff, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, they were at the bottom of the ACC last year and I'm sure it wasn't necessarily all good times. And, I'm sure when he went into this game, there was kind of a, a part of that to him as far as, you know, this is kind of what I could have been doing, or this is, you know, if you put me in the right position, this is what you could have had. And, you know, so it's always, it's always fun to see guys kind of get, you know, revenge on their old teams, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic because at the same time, like I said, I've built some good relationships with a lot of guys, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, and so at the same time, like I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy seeing them before the game, after the game. Maybe, you know, if I'm close enough, maybe even at dinner after the game or, you know, the night before or whatever. And, you know, it's always good to kind of just see them and catch up again. So, you know, it's uh it's definitely a it's a weird dynamic because there is a, a sense of um revenge, but there's also a sense of, you know, connection that you have with those guys and guys that you spend a ton of time with and things like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun little, fun little balance. And uh, it definitely adds to the game, gives you a little bit more, you know, a little more reason to play the game as well. You know, especially in the NBA, there's 82 games, you know, to play. And sometimes there's certain games where it's just, you know, you want a back-to-back in Detroit and it's like, all right, well, like, let's just try to get through this. So it gives you a little bit more, desire i guess i would say going into those games against old teams so you know i I was happy to see him play so well against his old team for himself for obviously you know the team Uh, but you know it's always fun to see guys kind of go back and get that you know that last laugh yeah i won't ask you potentially for names but maybe last night for you was one of those games because you went off last (laughs) night you had 37 uh, in the G. So uh, shout out to you as well for that performance. Wanted to slide that in there to the show. UNC <laughs> plays Saturday against Boston College. Then next week they play Monday night against Wake Forest. The Wake Forest game is at home. So we'll be back next week on Shooting It Straight to talk about both of those ACC games. Um, and then the Duke game is getting ever and ever closer. That's the first week of <laughs> February. So that's going to be here before we realize it. Justin, take us out of here after UNC's sixth straight conference win. Yeah, I mean, it's North Carolina, 
you know, I hate to sound like a, you know, like I'm on repeat, but um, the direction that they're going is exactly where they, you know, need to be going as far as conference play starting up. I mean, going undefeated 6-0 in conference play to start is an extremely hard feat. You know, I don't want to ever take, you know, minimize that. That's a, that's a hard situation to be in. It's a hard um, thing to accomplish. So, obviously, shout out to this team. Hopefully, they can continue rolling. Um, you know, as far as kind of, you know, the little things within the team, I think we're seeing them, like we talk about, seeing them defensively. They're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. Even when they have some lulls, they fight right back and get right back to where they're supposed to be. Uh, offensively, you're seeing just different ways that they can score the ball. And as the season goes on, I think it's going to get even more, you know, just um, easier for guys. And it's going to be way more seamless for guys to just kind of, you know, groove together. Um, so, yeah, I love I love this team. I think they have everything that they need to make a long run. Um, Final Four, National Championship, whatever it is you want to consider. And, uh, you know, for us, just a matter of continue to support them. You know, I'm, I'm going to always say players always hear or see or, you know, in some capacity they know what people are saying. And whether that's positive or negative, they're going to hear it and they're going to see it. Obviously, everybody has is entitled to their own opinion. But I think a lot of times what guys need, they just need to see some support. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're going to be there to support them. As fans, I think everybody else needs to just be here and support them and enjoy watching this good basketball that they're playing. Um, and so, yeah, and, and at the same time, I appreciate – I'm going to always say it as well at the end of these shows, I appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens and watches. You know, I know last week was one of the better the better episodes that we had as far as people watching and listening. And, you know, we, we definitely appreciate it. It's fun to get on here and, and talk about some, you know, some good basketball and obviously something that's near and dear to my heart. And I know it's near and dear to your heart as well. So we appreciate everybody that's tuning in. Uh, make sure to enjoy family and friends as much as you can. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.